Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, Ontario community, season 8. You know, I, I should just stop even naming seasons. I don't think I've actually committed any of these things to seasons now. I, I just posed them up now. This is the tournament series. That's it. This is the Sudbury tournament series. That's how we're going through this now. So everyone, thank you for joining us here again today. We are here with you because once again, we've got another Grinning Demon tournament coming up this weekend. Justin's just been hammering these out, and uh, this is the biggest one yet, actually. At 32 people, venue's going to be really nice. Uh, there are a lot more folks coming from out of town because of it, because things are opened up more. Everyone's doing really well. And I, once again, have Mr. Aaron Green here for us to go over our classic list predictions. Welcome to my dining room, Davis. I'm looking forward to doing this again. Um, really wish I could be there with Justin and uh, this big tournament that he's got going on there. This time, 32 players, right? Huge. 32 players, three rounds, at a hall this time. Yeah, this is at the Northbury. At the Northbury, so there's going to be lots and lots of room for everybody to move around. Hopefully he got the bar side, which would be nice. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of bar side, even though we're at your place here today while we're recording this, um, we decided to continue going with this tradition. So, Mr. Green, what, what have you made for us today? Yeah, so Ken and any of the other folks who would like to follow along tonight or this morning as you listen <laughs> in on these predictions, we've got what's called the Canadian Cocktail out of a cocktail book that sits at my bar. Um, now in here we've got two ounces of Canadian blended whiskey, so like a Canadian club usually will do, half an ounce of Cointreau, half a teaspoon of simple syrup and some uh, some bitters to top this sucker off. So you put that into a shaker, you give it a shake, and out it comes. Here we go. Well, let's give it a test. Hmm. You know, I like having it in the martini glass. is always very fun. It's a nice martini glass. I can feel the, the chill coming down the side of it. And uh, it's definitely got a... Um, a caramelliness. Yeah, and I mean, if I were to do something to it, I'd probably throw a little bit of orange on top or something else. Oh, an orange twist for a garnish? Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, that would make it a morning meal. This is going to be the next podcast we do. It's just <laughs> drinking. With the Scotch Hammer, guys. Yes. Oh, wow. All right, if you guys hear that, definitely, we're doing this. All righty. Uh, so, let's go ahead and get in on, on this, because you know what? It's getting late at night. <laughs> When we do these things, we keep saying we're going to do these and like we're banging these out in four to five minutes. Never happens. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we go through. Alrighty. So let's go through list uh, list by list. Again, we're just going to wrap these up pretty quickly. Give you our thoughts on who we think is going to win, and then we'll wrap it up with something afterwards. So first match of the day is going to be Mr. Christopher Catherwood. Uh, which is not a name I recognize. I believe this is one of the out-of-town guys right away. This is definitely one of the uh, the traveling team from yes. Red Leaf Customs. Oh, that's right, because you know what? We actually can look up. I, I did end up purchasing Best Coast Parents, a subscription. So I can actually take a look and see who all these guys are and everything like that. Like, I can see here that Christopher Catherwood, he's from the Critical Hit crew. Yes. So I think yes. there's about 10 of them. There's a ton of them coming from out of town. Mm -hmm. Who are these guys? I don't know. Well, I mean, hopefully. we're going to meet them. That's right. <laughs> so he's going up again to Jaden Rogers. Now, uh, Chris, he's bringing Blood Angels. He's one of three Blood Angels players yeah. that are at this event. Blood Angels are hugely representing this time. Uh, and he's going to be going in with all of his points are going towards dealing pain. He's only got a five-man infiltrator squad for troops. 
I saw that too. My notes right away was light on troops, heavy on toys. Oh but yeah. I love to say I love to see the flying librarian dreadnought. That is so common of, of a thing for them, and it is great. It's so potent. It's really tricky. You gotta plan it out how you move it into position first, because it the second phase happens after movement. So that first turn that you get it off is so important to be able to set it up in future turns. Yes. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's got a whole bunch of toys just for chopping things up. Now he's going up against Jaden with his sisters, who, you know, it's a bunch of girls totting heavy melted guns. He's got a bunch of girls with the Artificer, two damage guns. And there's a big core of dicey sisters that are going to be coming in hot with both Morvan Val and Celestine on here. Yes. Vol, Celestine, Sacrosense, and Repentia. That's a tough midfield brawler kind of core that he's going with here. Absolutely. And if it comes to our predictions for this one, I, I think Jaden's going to end up taking it. I, uh, you know, he knows how to dice up Marines. It's kind of been his bread and butter matchup for almost a year now, or over a year now. Um, and that was even without the new decks, right? So yeah. uh, what's Chris supposed to do when all those girls get an invul save? against all of his big heavy hitters. And when it comes to the small stuff, he actually gets a save or he has bodies that can kind of absorb a charge and die, but then there's other girls behind it. Yeah, that's what my notes say too. Even those double retributor squads that Jaden's bringing, every, every failed save for Chris is really gonna hurt. I'm going with Jaden too. There we go. Alrighty, uh, now we've got Taylor Burns versus Matt Lemire. Uh, Aaron, did you take any notes on this list? Is Taylor bringing new orcs, it looks like? It is the new orcs. Nice. Uh, just for everyone's record, there's actually both new and old orcs at this event because for this event, uh, if you had one of these transitional codexes, they were allowing you to use either orc so long as you went holy in one or the other. Mm -hmm. So. That's a good move here. Now, it looks like Taylor's bringing like a Goff's motorcade. He's got two scrap jets. He's got a bomber. He's got a bunch of like jets and oh, he's got those words. mega tracks. Oh yeah, all yeah, kinds. Yeah. He's of got the buggies. Yeah. <laughs> so in general, it looks to fly up that board and clear infantry. Maybe he's leaning into like an Admech and Dark Eldar meta. That's not what he drew though. That's not what he drew. Not even close. Yeah, so Matthew's coming in with another White Dwarf-style Dark Angels list again, right? We're talking Deathwing Terminators, Ravenwing Bikes, just the classic stuff that did Matthew pretty well, I think, when he was at the Beer and Pretzels Open last year. Yeah, Matt is definitely saying, hey, look, I, I want to be the guy in town that people know for being Dark Angels. Uh, and the last time I know he was running Azrael, I haven't seen him in this list. Uh, but hey, that's a lot of Deathwing Terminators backed up by a solid core of yeah, those bikers. Yeah. And both halves of those have some serious character support as well. Um, I did a little bit of digging on this and Matthew only has seven more basic dudes. Sorry, not Matthew. Taylor only has seven more basic dudes than Matthew has. And I'm counting Terminators here as basic. Like if you're not a character and you're not a, a, a vehicle, I'm counting you as a basic dude. Mm. Yeah, um, I think Matt's gonna wipe the floor with everything that Taylor puts on the board, but I think he's gonna struggle dealing with the planes that, uh, that Taylor's bringing. However, I don't think those planes can just dive bomb and kamikaze into the ground anymore, right? No, the, the, that flying Edbutt stratum has gone away with the new orcs, which means that these planes actually gotta play a bit more like planes. Mm -hmm. um, that said, yeah, you know, outside of 
having to weather the firepower of one of those flyers, he's got the tools still to take it down once he needs to, and he can probably ignore it for most of the game. Well, let's see. Those Terminators are pretty slow to move around the board, so I think uh, Matthew's really got to pick his spots for where he's going to land. A Taylor, I would say more so Taylor. Taylor's going to have to say, okay, when do I hit and engage just because he, he only has a few more guys than the other guys, and his guys don't have a two-up and two-up save. Yeah. I'm taking <laughs> Matthew, multiple what do you think? Uh, I'm definitely taking Matthew. Alrighty, uh, next up we have got Brett Wassel versus JC DeMore. Uh, and Brett is yet another one of these crit hit crew guys. Uh, he Now this one I, I think is really cute just because this is one of the two matchups in the first round uh, that are mirror matches. Yeah. Uh, this is a Custode on Custode's Brawl, a true return to the Blood Games of Terra. That's right. Not only that, but they're very similar lists, too. Very similar. They diverge in just a few very specific ways that I found to be uh, really, like, just trying to think through it afterwards was kind of giving me a hard time. Um, on the one hand, you've got Brett, who's bringing uh, Trajan, uh, he's bringing a third dread in the form of a contemptor, but JC, JC's bringing wardens, which are those custode terminator-like guys. He's bringing some of the custode jet bikes, and he's got a vexillus, which is great for that minus one to being hit. Uh, so overall, I think that Brett's list has a bit more punch, but JC's list is just a bit more survivable. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a fast game just because of the number of models that are involved on it. I don't think anything's going to die because involved saves are going to win the day, but in all honesty, I don't know who's going to win this game. You, you, you don't even want to put down a prediction? Oh, I've got a prediction. I'm, pick, I'm, I'm picking JC because I bet you he's taller. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's only slightly better than the reason I'm giving it to JC. Um, for this one, I say, hey, look at some of the little nitty gritty things. JC has got five extra power level over his opponent. Mm. He's got one extra CP over his opponent, and he's got actually one extra point. JC's running pure 2000, Brett's running 1999. Well, if it's a tight game, Brett, you were playing with a handicap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one, mm -hmm. for sure. All right, uh, next we have got Mason Cameron versus Sean Mulder. Yeah, so I think Mason's yet another one of the critical critical hit crew. Yes, I believe he is. And Sean Mulder's an old stalwart of uh, the Sudbury tournament scene here. Uh, Mason's coming in with a real meta sisters list, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we're talking Morgan Vall. We're talking Celestine. That's a that's a brutal combo, by the oh, way. Oh, it's pretty much two of every major infantry yeah. unit that you'll that you're ever going to hear about for the next six months. Yeah, double Repentia, double Retributors, double Sephrim. Uh, one thing from my notes is that I think it's interesting that uh, he's running heavy flamers on his retributor squads as opposed to like four multi-meltas in each one. Yeah. I think they're split half and half with two multi-meltas and two heavy flamers. Yeah, I think that might just be a, a way to try to shave on some points. And I'm not really too sure what he's trying to tech against with that. I think he's shaving on points and maybe teching into a little bit of the Admech and Dark Eldar again. That's, that's going to be a, a common theme across lots of my notes. Teching into the Dark Eldar makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, he's going up against Sean, and Sean is once again bringing out his Tau. I love that Sean always tries to make these guys work. Uh, you know, we know that he doesn't have quite the 
funds to just kind of pour into this like some of the other folks in town have. So he's always just trying to work within uh, what he currently has. And he's always trying to find something that works. Last time was bringing a whole bunch of planes, which he actually got some really respectable scores out of. Yeah, he leaned into the planes again with two bombers and uh, some piranhas that are going to rip around and score some objectives for him. I love that Sean is still bringing the Tau Vespids to oh, yes. their action monkeys. I, and you know what, I found it's really interesting that he's going off meta here. A lot of Tau players are bringing the Farsight Enclaves. That's not what he's bringing. Nope. Uh, you know, so having that extra range from his abilities here uh, is going to be, could end up being, or at least he's hoping to be a big deal, because he still has a host of Breachers and Strike teams. Uh, that said, Sean's Tau, they got a lot less AP than uh, than the Farsight Bodyguard list normally would, and I don't think it's going to be enough to punch through that sister's armor. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, Tau versus Meta Sisters, regardless of the pilot, is a sister's game to lose, right? Absolutely. You know, those are Pencha, they, they, they're going to fall fast to this kind of list. Uh, that, I mean, that's true, and that can be a big hit for them. But after that, I just don't think he has the firepower to take out enough sisters before they run roughshod over the objectives. If Sean plays it right, he actually might table his opponent, but he'll lose the game if he does that. Mm. So I don't think he, that's... Like you said, it's the sisters' game to lose. I agree. All right, I really like this next match here. Um, just for how the list has changed from some previous recent iterations. We've got Tomas Jaworski versus Michael McEachern. Morty returns. Mortarian has returned. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of Death Guard players are talking about. Is Mortarian good enough to bring into your list? A lot of them have said no. Tomas has brought him in for the, you know, one of the previous Grinning Demon ones. He took him out for the league, and he did really good in his match. And he's brought him, though, back in, this time alongside Typhus. He's got three respectable chunks of uh, Poxwalkers in there, three squads of Terminators, and still a couple of Plague Burst Crawlers in the game. Uh, in the back, sorry. If you ask me, this seems like a list that can play a lot of different kinds of games if he plays his cards right. Mm -hmm. So I, he went for the smaller Poxwalker squads. Those are obviously just to score objectives now, as opposed to the big 20-man blobs that were kind of more offensively minded, or at least midfield minded, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, that was the whole terror of it, was like, oh, they're going to put down a whole bunch of mortal wounds. But people were able to just walk away from them. Yeah. Uh, so we use them just for that. Okay, you know what? These guys are a little bit harder to engage. Could do really well. Now, that said, Michael is playing Sisters as well. He's one of, I, I think we've got four Sisters players. Yeah, there are a lot. It's so, a really, it's a really high, uh, high number count. For sure. Uh, and I hope Michael's got his Sisters in by now. I know for his league match... He wasn't able to get them all in. They were still in transit. I'm sure he's gone them by now. I really hope he has. If he hasn't, oh man, I hope he's not going to be giving up 10 points for not being battle ready. He's got a lot to paint. <laughs> There's no way it's all painted. Guaranteed his fingers are still stuck together with glue. <laughs> well, I believe they're coming in all assembled. Oh, okay. I mean, that saves some steps. Um, so assuming uh, that he is able to get it painted up in time, and so he's not losing out on those 10 points. Aaron, what do you think of his chances? Oh, I gotta mention though, Michael has got a swarm of penitent engines. Oh my gosh, there's 11 of them. It is a huge number. Celestine, Vol, 11 penitent engines, a big old blob of sacrosins to keep the characters safe, two multi, uh, uh, retributor multi-melta squads, 
Um, this is a list that comes to Brawl. It comes to Brawl like crazy. There's a lot of potency in that. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say his chances are? Well, last time I fought Pentanet Engines, I found them to be pretty pretty fragile. I mean, they could get in there like missiles, right? Yeah. But after they did their damage, they just melted away. <laughs> but with 11, they're coming in waves, right? They'll be coming in waves. And you know what, though? <sighs> For as good as those are in most matches, um, they're damaged to weapons in close combat. And you know what that means for Death Guard. Yeah, they're gonna reduce that damage down to one. It's half damage, mm -hmm. pretty much on all the, these, these items. Yeah. For that reason, I think this is kind of almost the exact kind of fight that Tomaz wants. Uh, a whole bunch of guys that want to kind of bring it in close. Their heavy flamers aren't really gonna have a whole ton of AP that's gonna be able to knock those Terminators down. Those Terminators are gonna have a lot of wounds going on them. I think he can actually absorb some of this and punch these things back off. I don't know about that. I, th I still think Michael's got too much assault firepower, and um, I still think with the multi meltas, he should be able to remove those Terminator squads as soon as he wants to. I I, I totally disagree. Well, fine. We have a throwdown. <laughs> we already here. We have our first difference. No, I really do. I think that if Tomas plays his cards right, strikes the right balance between deep strike, starting on board, Morty aggressiveness, I think he could have this in the bag. So long as, it, as he doesn't just throw some of his units away. Having, if Mortarian survives a turn, the big temptation is just toss him in there. Like, I want to get some value out of him. But uh, keeping him back and just making your opponent work for it could be huge this game. Hmm. Yeah, all right, I'm marking you down. We're moving on. We've got Patrick Rosso versus Aaron Feth. Now, Patrick is the second of our three Blood Angels players. Um, and I love it. <laughs> I've, I've always loved Blood Angels for that, ever since the days of 3rd edition where they had to roll randomly to see their guys join How the many team. guys got the Black Rage or whatever it's called? <laughs> I loved it. Um, so he's, like so many other Marine players right now, he's bringing in two Relic Contemptors. It's very common. Uh, but he's also put a lot of points into a big ol' unit of Sanguinary Guard. And not forgetting that he actually also needs some troops, he's got a few good units of troops there to play around. A bunch of them are in cursors. I'm not entirely sure of the choice on that, what he's trying to play against with that. Uh, but you know what? I, I trust that he's done enough games that, that is, he knows what he's playing, what he's teching against with that. Because that's what the troops are now for Space Marines. It's all about what are you teching into and against. They have so many options. Yeah, and you can tell Patrick's played some games as well. As soon as you see the two company veterans in a squad, like 50 points for action monkeys, a land speeder storm with some scouts. Scouts. Them, that's so annoying to remove from an objective late in the game. Um, you know he's got some, he's done some research. Absolutely. And he's going up against Aaron. He's my bug brother from a different brood mother. And he's bringing the nids. And actually, you know what? This list reminds me a lot of last year's BPO. Because I remember when he was bringing a bunch of these things, like yes, the Raveners, and he's got a bunch of Gaunts and stuff like that. But this time he's actually got Gene Stealers in there, which I love to see now that they got that little bit of a points reduction from Games Workshop. The GSC ones aren't still aren't good, but these ones are. They, they, they benefit from their cult trait, which in this case, being Kraken, is really good. Uh, and when I see a list like this, I see a lot of board manipulation, uh, something that's consistently able to force where the engagements happen, 
and it's not easy to play, but having this many bodies in the right place, a list like this can win games. Yeah, I mean, there's the two squads of 15 Gene Stealers that are just going to get slapped in the butt by the Swarm Lord up the board, right? Two Absolutely. huge missile squads. And he's got the bio bugs. Yeah. Well, again, as we've seen over and over again with Tyranic lists in general, is you see the Execrine and the Hive Guard, it's just a detachment that, that's your long range firepower. That's right. Yeah. So I'm seeing lots of lots of bodies to absorb, frankly, quality assault from the Blood Angels, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it, this matchup comes down to who can screen better and who can make the better trades. Uh, I'm also feeling that that's going to be the case. I find, though, that this kind of list puts the Blood Angels into a weird place. Um, if the Blood Angels kind of commit to the board, then Aaron can kind of zone out what the Blood Angels can and can't attack. He can't stop them from attacking, but if they just kill Gaunts, who cares? Uh, but if he puts stuff in Deep Strike, that can be also pretty bad, actually, for him. Because <laughs> these this number of Gaunts with the Swarm Lord can kind of get out just about anywhere. They can get out just about anywhere, but if the fight is at the midfield, they don't have to go that far, and maybe it's a sunk cost for nothing, right? That's true. Well, yeah. either way, I'm going to be giving this to my bug brother. I'm going to pick Patrick on this one, so we have our second throwdown of the day. Oh, yeah. This is good. We're yeah. differentiating. Because right now, on the league one, you're ahead by one. Just one. Assuming that Ed and um, his opponent already aren't able to get in their match. If they are, and Ed wins, then we're tied again. But, hmm. I mean, otherwise, you could be ahead, so i got to catch up. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, like... Blood Angels just this last weekend, they had a huge showing at that Florida Grand Tournament, and uh, I think Patrick's going to do well as well. Okay. Well, all right, here we go. Uh, Chris Good, uh, Gooderham, Gooderham versus Jesse Jordan. Uh, now, Chris, he's got the new Cult of Magic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, I haven't even seen battle report of these guys yet. I've, I've seen them posted. I've got them saved in my YouTube playlist to watch. Haven't watched them yet. I don't have any idea of how the new Thousand Suns actually play. I only have like theory craft in my head, which isn't worthwhile at all. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea how they work at all, but I, I swear I saw on the Warhammer community site something about you couldn't have more units of Zanglers than you could Rubric Marines or something. Uh, yeah, you have to, well, it's Rubrics and Scarab Occult Terminators, okay. so he ends up being okay with that. Uh, and I really appreciate his list, the way that he submitted it. He actually noted down how many Cabal points he's generated a turn for each unit. Uh, something that I didn't see our other Thousand Suns play that we'll get into later. He didn't do that, and that's totally normal, but at the same time, seeing it here really helped factor it in just for looking it over for me like huh this is what's going to be happening mm -hmm. yeah so i really appreciate that yeah um oh oh <laughs> just about fell over anyway um yeah he's got he's got an interesting list for sure he's going to be able to generate so many uh cabal points and they're all coming from a really diverse field of units he doesn't have big boy uh magnus in there so all of his characters are hideable i have no idea how that works i don't know how it works either are there, like, is Mortal Wounds how they do their damage with the four casters? I don't know. Maybe. Well, um, he's going against Jesse, who's bringing Chaos Knights, as he has. He's got two big knights, a third even bigger knight, <laughs> and a few war dogs. And you know what? That's all he needs. And, you know, it's almost a joke on this show how many times you and I have underestimated Jesse's Chaos Knights. Yes, it's brutal. Because, like, he makes them work so much. He puts he puts them to work. They are there 20 they are there 16 hours a day 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's going to be a long day for Jesse regardless because he's <laughs> going to have to sit around a long time because he plays so fast. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Chris. Me too, because if there's one thing that Nice hates, it's Mortal Wounds. It's Mortal Wounds. It's uh, he does Jesse's list here, uh, unlike a lot of Chaos Knight lists that are able to kind of bring in that pseudo psyker, uh, he's got none of that going on here. And so he can't stop this Legion of Sorcerers coming in. And with 16 Cabal points, he's got no way of denying smites. And this army, when it smites, it's Cult of Magic, which I think gives bonus smite damage. And he can deal like an extra D3 and more Cabal points. And I think it's like an, another D3. He's going to have a Knight smited to death. Yeah, I hate to do it, Jesse, but I'm going to have to go for the Glamour of Zinch and the shiny new Codex. That shiny new Codex smell. Yeah. I'm taking Chris with a 93 to 87. Wow, you even got points? Okay, well, I'm gonna mark that down. Because if, if you don't get it with 93, 93 to 87? That's right. Okay, if, if you don't get it with that, you know, I'm gonna hold you to it. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you know that's where this is heading one day. Alrighty, uh, next we've got Tyler Borman versus Chris Vigneault. So now Tyler has upgraded and modified his AdMech since the league started. And you can tell that he's been doing that because he got the uh, 60 Rangers and Vanguard to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> he's still leaning into the Catafronts too, though, he, right? Just not as much as before. Now, uh, I do think that having that big brick of Breachers is really good for him. Um, I, I think that's going to be able to actually really absorb firepower and kind of define the engagements he wants to take, unlike a normal wall of Admech Vanguard or Rangers. Uh, but man, Admech just have so many things. So much things. It's hard to read. In fact, I thought it looked a lot like his OFL list. <laughs> <laughs> Until you look through it. Yeah. 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 Uh, then Chris, uh, now Chris did do us that favor though. He brought the exact same list that he brought to the league. Right. So if you guys haven't followed along with our, our league chat, Chris is bringing like a Sam Hand white dwarf army list yeah right jet bikes for days and actually a pretty a pretty solid sixth or seventh edition eldar list when they were at the height of their shenanigans like, oh it would have been real good this list has got a lot of options on shenanigans it's got all of its guys get into transports um but you know unless they can jink and duck boss for fire i don't exactly think his odds are good here yeah this is this is a, a, a case of just being outruled and outlisted i think uh maybe if the war walkers and the reapers do some super heavy lifting for chris he can make a game of it but uh i'm not seeing it yeah i'm with you there all right next we've got justin landry versus Eric Jutris. Now, Eric, man, I haven't seen that name come across there for a while, but I'm so glad to see it. Welcome back. Uh, so, uh, I'm gonna start with Justin, just because it's at the start here. I gotta say though, I know Justin is the showrunner here. This is a big day, 32 people, and he is tackling this event. I really hope that uh, he's got either somebody being a showrunner for him, he's got somebody that can run around answering questions on his behalf, because if you get tar pitted into a game, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is having the showrunner being kind of pulled off the side every so often to answer the thing. So, uh, you know, whether he's contacted maybe the twins to kind of help run some things, or maybe one of the other folks in Subway that have done that. I know there are a lot of people that are, are ready to jump on that. Um, I think that'd be a great thing for him to do. Yeah, I mean, like... The Gentleman Gaming Club that uh, Justin runs with Mike McKechnie and Ken May, for example, uh, 
there are some real high quality players. They're wonderful to be around. I think they're going to be able to manage the tournament pretty well. But you're right, not having a dedicated showrunner might be a little bit of a challenge. I, I hope I hope it works. I <laughs> really do. And uh, but you know what? He's got a list. He doesn't need to actually spend too too much time <laughs> moving these guys around because he's bringing the Iron Hands and they are pumping out red hot lead because he's got lots of dreads. He's got Devastators, two squads of Devastators. He's got the Suppressors there. You know, the great thing about those dreads is that they can rumble in close combat and they can shoot a hell of a lot of shots, whatever you kind of need them to do. They're so big. They're so intimidating. I love it. Yeah. Now, this list, he probably won't actually have to get them into close combat if he doesn't want to because uh, Eric's running Tau. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'd say this one is much more of a meta take on the current Tau build because it is Farsight suits with the cool toys. The most interesting thing to me is he has one of those crisis units, chock full of flamers. Flamers for days. And I, I think, again, I think that was a meta call leading into Admech and Dark Eldar. Yeah, I don't know, coming down, deep striking, flamering those Admech. Uh, I tried to do, okay, here's something. I looked up the Tau flamers on Wahapedia, where it said they were 12 inches. But I thought I'd, I've heard from Tau players that their flamers are still stuck at 9 inches for some reason. And if that's the case, then then that can't no. be it. Justin's making a teal call right here, right now, that they're 12 inches. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the case. They're still just called flamers. Why yeah. wouldn't they be, right? But, I, I mean, maybe the broadsides can take out a dreadnought a turn? Maybe. 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 I think I think this is, uh, Eric just got a bad draw in the first round, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, Justin's just got guns for days, and he can also fight, whereas Eric, he's got lots of guns, too. Don't get me wrong. He I really does. He does, but I don't think they're the right guns for this job. Not for this match. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm thinking Justin's going to win this one, and uh, he'd better make it fast so that he can make sure the lunch is ready. <laughs> All right, uh, next up we've got Eric McCartney versus Dante Mazza. Oh man, uh, you know what, again, I'm I'm really happy to see this kind of matchup. Um, the Dark Eldar, despite being very, very strong, uh, I found so many great games. They're, they're always an interesting battle. The Dark Eldar are just the right strength that they can come in and hammer something, but at the same time they can't really take a punch. That's right. So there's always that back and forth play. Uh, so, he, yeah, Eric's bringing the Ooga Booga forces to Sudbury. Uh, he's got the Triple Patrol, lots of Raiders with Lances. Bring those Prophets of Flesh. You know, I, I don't think I've seen Prophets of Flesh since Psychic Awakening. No, they kind of fell off the bandwagon at the end of 8th edition. Well, I mean, Dark Techno Technomancers really, really took ruined, over. Really ruined Homunculus Covens uh, <laughs> for a while. But those, those racks, they're going to be tough. I'm disappointed that he couldn't find another 90 points to put a homunculus in there to make those racks all toughness five. Yeah. But uh, still, two big bricks of them, that's going to be tough to shift in the back. Actually, I don't think he needs to here with the way that their Prophets of Flesh work. Specifically in this match is going to be very, very interesting because anything that is less than strength eight is only going to wound them on fours. That plus one to wound from the Blood Angels, their special ability, mm -hmm. useless. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, there are those two murder succubuses as well, right? Oh, uh, they'll just wreck days all day long. They're going to yeah. be making people yeah. feel it, bad. If, if you see a dark elder list that isn't bringing cult of strife, it's like, well, I'm thank you for bringing less than optimal because it's just so, so good, so good. 
But Dante is running lots of Blood Angels infantry and another flying dreadnought, which yeah. I love. Oh, a you... walking dreadnought, which is just badass because it's so old. And you right? know what? He's packing heat with uh, two units of those Inceptors. One of them's got the plasma. If he can keep those plasma ones alive, uh, they can actually they can totally devastate squads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, though, I think Eric's Witch Cult is generally going to be fighting first, just because. Cult of Strife, right? Um, he's got the Trueborn in a Raider, which is just so good. Hitting on twos. Um, Unable amazing. to change, to, to reduce their ballistic skill and all that amazing. kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely, I agree. You know, now, he Dante might be able to push through one thing, but if he pushes through that one thing, there's too many other things that are going to just take objectives. You can't take the midfield because those homicidally maniacal witches. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's an uphill fight. Power Fists and Thunder Hammers aren't going to do too much in this one. Sorry, Dante. Actually, they will because they're strength eight. Against what? They're all witches with toughness <laughs> three and a four-up involved. Okay. Point taken. <laughs> good, good point, especially with that plus one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we've got Ken May versus Billy Backers. Oh, man. This is a title fight right here in this, round one. Yeah, this is a tragedy to happen in the first round. Um, I know you and I were chatting a little bit ahead of time. Like, what are some of the matches that we want to be keeping an eye out? Uh, this is one of, for the whole day, I honestly believe. Because uh, Ken, you know, he's so far he's been Sudbury's undisputed champion. He's bringing the Primarch's ransom in plastic to this event. He's got so many Vanguard vets, and Rangers, and Rust Stalkers, and Infiltrators. He's even bringing his classic Terax pattern termite drill from Forge World and an Inquisitor. You just know that Inquisitor's got the ability to beef everything up with like some psychic power, whirly, whirly dick, right? Or some kind of admic bullshit. Oh, it's, yeah, total. Uh, and it's Mars. He's playing Mars, though. Not Lucius, not Stygis 8, which is what, you know, those are the ones he's kind of been playing a lot more of. He's going over to Mars. Um, there's a lot of changes in this list from his normal one. Is it maybe too many? Could this be the day that the champion falls? Well, I mean, Billy's done well in Sudbury in, in years previous, oftentimes with stuff like Space Wolves or other Space Marine chapters, but not this time. That's not what he's bringing. No. Go ahead. With what he has, he's got yes. Harlequins. He's got Harlequin. Sorry about that. I was just distracted for a second. Uh, yeah, he's got some Harlequin and other Eldar baloney there. He's got five tro small troop squads that are all going in the Star Weaver transports. He's got two squads of the Sky Weavers, which are like the Harlequin souped-up jet, jet bikes. Yeah. And then backing that up, he's got three small squads of indirect firing Dark Reapers. Yeah, I think this is. Really, really interesting. I, I've known he's been, uh, Billy's been collecting these guys for a while, trying to find like the right mix to bring to things. He was really saying like, you know what, I think these guys are just better and I want to collect into them. Um, and at first I was like, well, we'll see how the, how the meta develops. Uh, the meta, I think, is developed really in his favor in this, in this fight. I think so too, because I mean, unless he's planning on a planet bowling ball, I think those troops are just going to come in and each squad just five of them can pick up like 15 or 20 little toughest three bodies no problem right yeah oh man uh he, he you know those harlequins 
can really, as they say, I don't like using the term those guys can slap, but uh, Harlequins with caresses, like literally the weapon is an open-handed palm. It, they slap. They slap, yeah. Um, so Billy might say that they slap booties or they clap booties or something <laughs> like that. But uh, yeah, you know, he's got fusions for taking on some of the bigger stuff there. It's and a good matchup. It's an in, and I think this is a really interesting one, just because uh, the ability to hide effectively is going to kind of make or break this game. You know, how long is Billy going to hold back with these indirect fire guys that are that can put down some serious hurt with yeah. these tempest launchers that are are so well equipped for dealing damage to um, these toughness three vanguard and these toughness three uh, rangers. That's really useful. Yeah, but let's hear your call. I'm actually going to go with Billy. I think he's just got the right mix of units that can take this on. Yeah. Um, it's it's not going to be easy, but uh, I think he can overwhelm him at the moment he needs to overwhelm him. If it goes right, it'll go real right. Um, I don't think, though, it has to go real wrong. I think he, and I think Billy is the kind of player that knows when to spring the trap. You know, I'd really like to see Ken send all these traveling players packing back to the big smoke, drive to separate. Yeah, yeah, you guys get out of here. I'm still the champ of this town. But I'm picking Harlequins because I think it's just a cooler <laughs> list. <laughs> You'd like to say that, but you won't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we've got Chris Sage versus Andrew Bowery. Uh, this is our other mirror match of the day. This is a battle for the souls of the Emperor's most holy warriors. Because this is sisters on sisters. Yeah. Girl on... Okay, no, I'm not even going to say it. Uh, you guys all know what I was about to say, so whatever. Anyway, uh, I don't know what dogma was breached to make this battle happen. Um, but, you know, with both players bringing sisters... I really wanted to kind of take a look again and see, all right, where are these guys the same? Where are they different? Uh, you know, they both got Morvan Vol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I think Andrews must be the Warp Abominations because he's got Feral Stern and Kaigano? Uh, Kaigano. Yeah, the little Harlequin dude, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, I must be saying it right since it's so difficult. <laughs> uh, Chris, though, his forces are blessed by the Sacred Light of Celestine instead. So, like, there's one of those flips, right? They have close to the same number of penitent engines, close to the same number of jump pack troops. I think the other main difference is that Chris has brought more actual battle sisters and a unit of nundums, uh, while Andrew instead has brought more retributors and repentia. Yeah, also what Chris brought is an exorcist. I don't know if that came out of the uh, Faith and Fury box or where you found that old thing. I thought Chris really leaned into crowd control. Uh, whereas Andrew, he leaned into more scoring secondaries. Yeah, it, it's uh, this is definitely going to be a real hard one because there's a lot of little decisions that are going to impact the direction of this game. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest risk for Andrew here is going to be managing his clock. I know he's been trying to get a lot of practice in with these girls, and a, on a lot of those practice games, though that clock's been running late. That's true. Um, that's just part of the learning curve for coming to grips with an army that has this many moving pieces. Right, right. I mean, like, the biggest trade is do you want one Celestine or do you want two squads of Repentia? Like, like 
Andrew's bringing here. Um, I'm picking Andrew just because I know his list a little bit better. I'm more familiar with it. I know it's going to reliably score points for him. Um, I'm, I'm going to diverge from you here. I am going to go ahead and say Chris. More on the back that Chris is one of these critical hit guys. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he would leave town with an army that he didn't have faith. <laughs> but an army that he didn't have experience with. And I think that experience edge is going to give it to Chris. Okay. Alright, next up we have got Connor Olivier versus Daniel St. Louis. So Aaron, what do you want to tell us about Connor's list here? Well, this looks a lot like Connor's OFL list again. It is actually the exact same one. Right, so he wrecked face in that first round against a, a really savvy player. Yeah, and Steve, Steve and his orcs in the first round. Uh, so Connor again is bringing the Night Warrior. He's bringing thirty Necron warriors and a dozen Scorpec destroyers. And Just a ton of tons, lots of legs. Because yeah. Scorpec destroyers have X, X more legs too, because he's got a bunch <laughs> of uh, scarabs in the back. Yeah, no, and they're good, especially with that trait that gives them like objective secured or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that'll awesome. be good. I mean, he's going to try and just ram that right down the guts of his opponent. But Dan's bringing the guts. He, Dan's got guts to spare. Uh, he's bringing Mortarian there. Uh, he's got a tightly packed army, I would say. Uh, he's got that 10-man Plague Marine squad. Huge 10-man Blightlord Terminator squad. He's got some other Termies, Plague Burst Crawler. Just a few other units. Uh, it is, like I said, it would be a dense list. It's a, it's a traveling man's list, that's for sure. So who, who do you think is going to be coming out ahead on this one? Well, you know, I, I'd love to see Dan do it. I think if he makes some crisp, some crisp, crisp decisions and can layer his buffs on there, he might have some play. Uh, I think he's got enough of a backfield presence and to be able to push up, but uh, I don't know. Connor, Connor really... He did well in his first round OFL, so I think I'm going to be going for Connor here. I'd have to agree with you on that. Um, I don't think that this Death Guard list uh, can actually hit the Nightbringer in enough phases in a single turn for it to really take it down. And then once the C-Tank comes in, yeah, it still gets it, the damage on its blades reduced by Disgustingly Resilient by one. Who cares? Uh, but it gets right through Martaren's Invul, gets through Martaren's Revoltingly Resilient yeah. ability, which is a huge deal. Uh, this, it, this is diabolical, what he can do with this. And then, like you said, you know, he's, he's just going to be able to kind of hit these objectives and steal them out from under the, uh, from under the legs of Daniel, from under the guts. <laughs> so uh, I agree with you on that one. Alrighty, uh, next up we've got Mike Emery versus Austin McMurdy. I, I almost want to jump right to Austin's list, but I mean, I'm always, I'm going to try to start with these first guys. Yeah. Um, so Mike's brought, he's brought Admic as well. He's got the Skatari veteran cohort. And man, does it ever look scary, especially in Mars. Oh man, there's just one big old brick of infantry and then he turns it back over to just small five-man squads over and over and over again. And presumably he's going to, he's going to screen out that whole fire base with uh, two huge squads of service raiders. Yeah, he is able to just kind of control that midfield at the very start of the game when it really matters. And the rest of those guys are just gonna be able to hammer it down range uh, as he needs to. Plus in those smaller squads, so many skirmishing squads, he can take things on the chin and lose them. 
um, as the game progresses while still keeping his main damage dealers alive. Uh, but, but bless Austin's heart, he's brought Triple Castellan back. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not really Triple Castellan, it's Double Castellan with a Valiant. Whatever. It's Triple Castellan. And 11 Stormtroopers. And ele- the, 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 the miniaturized version of the Loyal 32. This is 8th edition all over again. And I love it. And I just love that Austin's trying to make this work. Um, so Austin's brought the visiting man's army. <laughs> this army well, shouldn't take too long to play out. That's right. Um, so hot take on this. Uh, I think Mike will win. But not maybe for the reasons that you do. Well... My only reason that I think Mike is going to win is because Admech are silly. And, and that's not what I think. I mean, I do think he'll win, but not because they're silly. Uh, I think he's going to win because he's actually going to be able to survive just a little bit with some of these units uh, and just take the board. I think actually at this, like if there's one kind of list that this kind of knight list would want to fight, it's sort of a list like this. Um, Mike doesn't have a lot of ways of actually dealing damage to these castlands outside of the recently reduced um, polonium rounds or, or whatever you call it there. Yeah, on that brick. And then he's got the two dune crawlers at the back too. Yeah. But that's it. But that's it. Yeah. But that's it. And so, you know, you know how it is with the castle. They can take out probably both, one of them can probably take out both an augers in one turn. And he's got two of them. <laughs> and so I think he's actually going to be able to really lay down a lot of hurt on this kind of list. But just the bodies will be able to be in the right spots to stop the knights from winning. Now, can, can the service raiders, do they actually block knights from being able to step over them? Or can the knights walk over them? The knights can still walk over them. Ah, nice. Yeah, you have to be, to stop them from walking over you, you got to be, I think, a, a monster or a vehicle. Okay. Yeah. Still picking Mike. Still, you're still picking Mike. Yeah, well, both of us are, just for different reasons. All right, next up we've got Mark Amarante versus Xavier Vignon. Now, I think Xavier is the either the son or the brother. I think he's related in some way to Chris Vignon. I think so too. I think it's his uh, the young lad. So you think it's his son, eh? Yes. All right. Well. Uh, Tell us, what is Mark bringing into this match? Mark has changed his list a little bit from uh, the last time we talked to him. He's still rocking his two Bladeguard veteran squads of Iron Hands. Of Iron Hands. He's still rocking his four Dreadnoughts of Iron Hands. Of Iron Hands. But uh, he's made a couple of changes here. He's, I, I like to see him bring in company veterans for Action Monkeys, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a couple of squads of, what are the jump troop guys that come in? Inceptors. Inceptors with their PPP guns. Um, he's leaning a lot more into shooting, I find, and he's kind of leaning away from some of the dirty tricks and movement shenanigans that Mark was trying to do before with like eliminators and uh, other screening units. Yeah, he's trying to hit a bit more just straight up damage, more minimum sized units from what I, w- I was noticing. Uh, so we'll see how that works there. Uh, now, that said, he is going against Xavier, and this is the other orc player today who's bringing the old orc codex. Yeah, Xavier, he's making his Sudbury scrub debut. Oh, that is true. Welcome. <laughs> so, that said, this is the last hurrah for the old Orco Codex, right? Yes, and uh, it is, I, it, it feels, again, kind of like that, that uh, army list of, alright, this is what I've kind of got in Orcs, 
I'm gonna try to make it work. Yeah. Uh, as opposed for to like, okay, I've got all these things I've collected over years and years and years, like a, a real seasoned orc player may have. Because, you know, he's got some interesting stuff. It's been all over the place though. You know, there's that unit of knobs, not even mega knobs, just regular knobs. You don't really see that too, too often. Um, I am a little concerned just because there are a few items in this list that don't really line up for what I'm thinking. Like, he's got three trucks, but uh, other than the knobs going in there, nothing else can fit in there except single model character units, which, like, that's... that's that's a one in six to a bad time. That's a one in six to a bad time. Something yeah. really bad just happening. But there are some stalwart units in there too. Like oh, absolutely. There's two 30-man blobs of orc boys and yeah. 30 rocks to clog up the board on the back. I mean, if Mark was trying to do some deep strike shenanigans, there'd be no room for it. None. None at all. Especially mech guns too, right? Because you can just put a mech gun and a couple of dudes down and that blocks out a huge swath of space. And he's got one of each kind of mech gun. Which again, that's that's kind of where I'm saying, okay, wait a second. I think this is somebody that's collecting these guys trying to find some use for some of those units. Yeah. And I, I love seeing all different four kinds because you don't realize just how varied the uh, orc codex can be. So I'm interested to hear which gun at the end of the day was his most favorite because it, it, each one is going to really respond differently to the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, now, he does have that burn a bomber, which I know is capable of doing that huge bombing run turn one. And the flying Ed butt. Yeah, just to auto explode and go kaboom. Yeah. In, against the right opponent, the opponent that's not really aware of it or maybe not really uh, doesn't screen it out properly. The number of mortal wounds this thing can put out in one turn is truly obscene. More obscene than anything I've ever seen. More obscene than the Poxwalkers dealing 22 mortal wounds. This thing can deal potentially like 60 mortal wounds if there's enough things around there. Yeah, and going into a traditional Space Marines castle, there might be an opportunity to drop that thing. Absolutely. Um, however, because I think he's got all these guys are going to have to really foot slug it across the board. Uh, I think that's really going to play into Mark's game plan here. Yeah, I, I agree. This is Mark's game to lose. Yeah, uh, and th that's he's got just kind of a, a good mix of units for tackling these kinds of things. As soon as orcs become toughness five, this kind of list becomes a lot scarier. But it's just not going to be there yet. Alrighty, last match of the day, Brandon. Not the least. Not the not at all the least. Uh, we got Brandon Smith versus Josh Leslie. So. I think this is the moment that Brandon's been horny for. Oh my goodness. Just to start the list when you look at it, you see Magnus with literally all the spells. Like, it took up the whole page in Battlescribe. <laughs> but that's awesome. I love that. What's one of his abilities? He knows all the spells. That's so cool. Yeah. And then there's Aramen. There's three more casters behind it. There's ten Terminators. And you know what else is there? His little pink core plushie. Yes. And... <laughs> I, I mean, Magnus and the display board that Brandon typically brings is just, just beautiful, right? So it'll be a pleasure to play against. Absolutely. I love that he's got those three big blocks of rubrics. Yeah. Those three? I just have two. Three, three squads of ten rubrics, two squads of five occults. That's not actually a lot of bodies, but they'll be tough bodies. And he's got lots of sorcerers back up. Uh, and like I said, this is kind of the one where it's like, hey, he didn't list those Cabal points because you don't actually have to list them at all. Um, but for me, just trying to, like, I know we're not even there yet. We don't know what, <laughs> if these are good or not. 
it. But uh, man, I was I being like, all right, how many Cabal? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I was hoping to kind of compare them to the other list and see like which one has brought more. Maybe it's the same. It might be because he's got these big characters that can that can generate a lot of them. I don't know. I have no idea. But what I do know is that Brandon's had time troubles in the past, and if he's trying to learn a new codex. Um, maybe two minutes, two hours and forty-five minutes is not going to be enough for him to get through these games. You know what? The the psych phase can take up a surprising amount of time, especially when you have these extra fiddly bits stat in there. Oh man! Now going up against him is Josh. Uh, he's our second player today, bringing Dark Eldar, and again his list is really a classic Dark Eldar build: Triple Patrol, Cult of Strife. We got the the these guys are the Serpent's Kiss or whatever it is. That as soon as they deal some damage, it's like, well, now your leadership is really screwed over. Uh, and again, though, he's got Prophets of Flesh. Yeah, he's doing, I think it's called Poison Tongue. And poison think, Tongue. Poison Tongue. And I think that's the one that it's reroll one to wound, I think. And also, pre game, he's got a stratagem to redeploy three of his units. So he's going to put, he's got a unit of 10 Trueborn with like two blasters and a dark lance. He's got a unit of 10 warriors with two blasters and a dark lance. And he's got another raider that he's gonna put two incubi in, two squads of incubi in. And then he's just gonna redeploy those to get the, the most advantageous starting point for them. Uh, you know, I think. <laughs> I think. This is definitely, I'd say one of the hardest matches to try to figure out who's gonna win. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, um, I don't, I, I'm not quite understanding some of the choices, like putting the racks in the Venoms, I guess, is there to just score annoying points when the Venoms blow up, the racks come out. Um, he's got a huge court. He's got a huge court of the Archon. And at first I thought that maybe that was um, while we stand, we fight, or to the last, whatever it's called, at that point, it would be it would be the court, it would be Drazar, and it would be the Trueborn that you'd have to come and get. But Drazar, you want him up in the action, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how he's gonna how he's gonna do the damage enough of it, but putting shock prowls on raiders is hilarious. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's like it's a one command point strategy on these raiders and like D3 mortal wounds or something. No, no, like on a four plus for every infantry unit that the raider bases. And you know the raider's like eight inches long, right? Yeah. So you're like Tokyo drifted in and you say, hey, I'm gonna roll four plus for 12 guys. Ugh. And kills one. Jeez. Not only that, but Josh has, Josh has got a lot of uh, sneaky strength eight blast weapons peppered here and there in the list, like blast pistols on little surgeons and stuff. So are you calling this for Josh or? Uh, no, I'm not. I think Brandon's got enough mortal wounds to, uh, to win this one. Okay. Well. I, I, honestly, again, I have no I idea. Know. I have no idea. I don't know how Thousands Plums... Thousands Plums? <laughs> thousand Suns play any longer. So, uh, my brain says Brandon. My gut says Josh. Honestly, I don't know. I, I'm going to side with my gut here because... Because I'm going with the Glamour of Siege again. <laughs> you know what? This really could be anyways. I would not be surprised if you end up taking it with that. Alrighty, so with that all said and done, who do you think is gonna take the day? Well, I think that one of that match to watch, Kenny versus Ken May and Billy, 
uh, backers, one of those guys is going to be playing for top spot at the end of it. So it's a real shame that we're having potentially our finals at 9 o'clock in the morning, but one of those two is right there. I think Eric McCarty's got the better Dark Eldar list. I think he's going to do really well. And I think Mike McEachern's got the class of uh, best sisters in, in the whole field as well. So those four are my guys. Yeah, if it wasn't for that initial match of Billy versus Ken, I'd easily say Ken. Um, because, but and partially that's because I think even if Billy wins his match versus Ken, I don't. I think there are a lot of other lists here that would work really well against Billy. That just that Billy's got a really good Admech fight. Does he ever? I mean, there are a lot of Admech that might be getting out of round one, right? Absolutely. So you know, you might be able to hit those all the way up to the top. All you got to do is be Admech and sisters. That's it. <laughs> and he's got the tools to do that. That's right. He absolutely does. Um, so you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say Billy then, because I think he's going to win that match, and uh, uh, that's going to be it. It's a hard one though. It's he he doesn't have an easy day ahead. There's no submarining going on here. That's right. <laughs> All right, and yeah, absolutely, for those matches to watch, definitely want to catch those mirror matches, uh, that Ken versus Billy match. I think those are going to be some major, major fights. Yeah, I'm also really excited to see how um, the Thousand Suns come out and play with a full book and like a month of playtesting behind it. Oh yeah, I, I wish we saw more uh, orcs here with the new decks. I'd love to see uh, some more variety on the orc lists just to see what, what they're capable of. Hey, that might just be hobby leg and the fact that you can't actually buy the models. It, it's really, it really could be. It probably is. Because I know there are a few players here that, that play orcs that just haven't brought them. Yeah. Um, and I, and obviously the best Gene Stereo Cult player of the day is myself because no one else brought, no one brought Gene Stereo Cult and I'm not there. So. Yes. I am the null field. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. This is, as always, a lot of fun. Really enjoy doing these kinds of things. Uh, we'll be catching you again next time. So to everyone out there, thanks again. Aaron, thank you. Cheers. Keep on wargaming. Keep scoring those primaries. And good luck at the Grinning Demon. <laughs>